The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. All right, you. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, Remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let us begin this morning with some words from today's Eucharistic prayer. Open our eyes to the needs of our brothers and sisters. Inspire in us words and actions to comfort those who labor and are burdened. Make us serve them truly after the example of Christ and at his command. And may your church stand as a living witness to truth and freedom, to peace and justice that all people may be raised up to a new hope. Now, let's talk about the color purple. As some of you may know, until maybe the 18th or 19th century, purple was a color in clothing that was only affordable by the richest of the rich. The reason was clear, because the only way you could get purple dye 
was to go to a certain place off the coast of what is now Lebanon and harvest out of the sea these little itty-bitty sea snails. And then you had to harvest enough of them, maybe 250,000 of them, and then bring them on shore, and then you had to crack them open and take out the mucus gland, which had the purple color in it, take that out of all of those 250,000 uh, snails or mollusks, and then put them under the sun at a certain temperature for an exact amount of time so that they would bake in just the right way. And then after all of that, you would get one ounce of purple dye. So you can imagine that anyone who dresses themselves in a purple robe is richer than anything that the people of the first century could ever imagine. A purple robe was almost impossible. It would have been worth more than a robe made of gold. The only person who was allowed to even wear any purple was the Roman emperor. And so for Jesus to begin this story by telling us about a man who was so rich that he could afford a whole robe of purple, Jesus is telling us about a man who is unimaginably rich. And we know nothing more about him except that he was so rich that he could wear a purple robe and eat sumptuously every night. And imagine the feast. Well, so much for that guy. Jesus then switches our attention, moves it across the stage to another fellow. And this fellow is almost unimaginably poor. He lays at the door of the rich man's palace, I suppose, and he has nothing at all. He has a few rags for clothing. His bones are showing for, from hunger. He has nothing to eat. And the, there's nobody to help him. There's no wife, there's no children, there's no grandchildren, there's no neighbors, there's no friends to come and tend to him in his need. Jesus makes the story so grim for this guy that the only thing that comes to his assistance and his aid are the dogs of the street who lick his wounds. And Jesus tells us that he himself is so lowly and so broken, and so incredibly, unimaginably poor, that he himself would like to be a dog under the table of that rich man so they could eat at least the scraps that fall from his table. But we also know that this poor man, unimaginably poor, broken, humbled, hungry, alone in the world, is also highly esteemed by Jesus because Jesus gives him a name. And in fact, he gives him the name of his best friend, Lazarus. In contrast, the rich man, do we know his name? Jesus does not give him a name. And for a very good reason. Because as far as Jesus is concerned, this rich man with his purple robe and his sumptuous banquets and all of his wealth is already dead. He is, in a very real way, a non-person, a non-human being. Even in his wealth, 
his unimaginable wealth. There's something tremendously wrong with his heart. It has gotten so cold through his greed and his wealth and his preoccupation with himself and his own feeding of himself and his own richness and his own power and whatever else, that this man, this rich man without a name, this rich man who has let his heart go cold, cannot even see poor Lazarus at his doorstep. Just imagine, he has to practically step over Lazarus to get in and out of his palace. And it's not that he hates Lazarus. It's not that, he is, that, that he's against Lazarus in any way. He just doesn't see him. He's, he's willfully closed his eyes to this human being in dire straits at the very door of his palace. He has willfully closed his eyes so that he cannot see him. He does not wish to see him. And it is that willful choice to ignore this human being at his doorstep who has a name that in a sense kills this man long before he ever dies. He has no name because he has no heart. Because in Jesus' telling of this story, he is, in a sense, already dead. Well, part two of the story, the, both these characters do die. And Lazarus dies, presumably from hunger, starvation, at the door of the palace. And he's taken by the angels up to the bosom of Abraham, heaven. The rich man dies, and he's rushed down into the the netherworld where torments await him. And Jesus then says, okay, look at the rich guy down there. He's looking up towards the heavens. He's looking up towards Abraham and Lazarus at his bosom. And he's saying, oh, it's really awful down here. The flames are tormenting me. It's terrible down here in the netherworld. And I'm really, really, really thirsty. And I'm probably really, really hungry. And it's just awful. So, so Abraham, why don't you just send Lazarus down here to bring me a drop of water to cool my parched tongue? And Abraham says, uh, sorry, Charlie. Oops, no name. Sorry, rich guy. That's not how this works. You had your chance. You had your chance to love. You had your chance to be compassionate. You had your chance to care for the poor. You had your chance to care for Lazarus. And you did not. You willfully chose not to. And in doing so, you killed your own heart. You turned your heart into stone. You closed your eyes to him. And the rich guy's, oh, but please, please, please. And Abraham is saying, sorry. It's not how it works. Between here and there, there's a huge chasm. And people from there can't come here, and people from here can't go there. Too bad. My son. So, but look at what's happening to that rich guy. Even, 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 even 
in the torments of the netherworld, he still is treating Lazarus as nothing more than a piece of dirt. Nothing more than filth. Nothing more than a slave. Hey, Abraham, have, have that Lazarus guy come and bring me a little bit of water. <laughs> Even then, there's no sign of compassion or mercy or relationship. His eyes are still willfully closed to the humanity and to the suffering and to the, the, the hunger of that poor man. He's still for him nothing more than a piece of dirt. <laughs> and that's why he can't escape the netherworld. That's why he can't escape. So then he says, oh, well, okay, I can't get out of here. I'm going to suffer for all eternity. Fine. Well, not so fine, but whatever. So at least have Lazarus go to my brothers and, and warn them. Because they're living the same way with their purple robes and their feasts and their palaces. And Abraham says, gosh, it just doesn't work that way. Because they too, like you, had the prophets. You had Moses. You have the scriptures. You had a whole history of religious life to teach you the importance of love and compassion and mercy and, and generosity. And if you did not listen to them, if they have not listened to them, this is where the story gets personal. They will not listen to someone even if he were to rise from the dead. In other words, your willful closing of your eyes, your willful closing of your heart, your willful closing up of your spirit and your soul is invincible. Love, grace, God, mercy, compassion cannot touch you and cannot touch your brothers either because you have chosen. You have chosen to be blind. You have chosen to be greedy. You have chosen to harden your hearts to the point where there's no life and no love in them anymore. This is not God's will. This is not God's doing. You have chosen this. And even if someone were to rise from the dead, that mortal sin you have committed in your life across all the years of your life, of closing your eyes to human beings, to sons and daughters of God, like dear Lazarus, my friend, won't touch you, won't change you, and won't bring you back to life and won't bring you back up out of Sheol. It is with this story in mind, and with our own situation in life in the world, right in front of us, with people in our own city, who are very much like Lazarus, we who live with relative plenty in a world where there are millions and millions of Lazaruses at our feet, we dare not not pray with humility and compassion and deep feeling the words that we will hear in the Eucharistic prayer just moments from now.
open our eyes to the needs of our brothers and sisters. Inspire in us words and actions to comfort those who labor and are burdened. Make us serve them truly after the example of Christ and at his command. And may your church stand as a living witness to truth and freedom, to peace and justice, that all people may be raised up to a new hope. 